Western Sculpture Park is located at 387 Marion Street in St. Paul. This is Catherine DeSell, WFNU Frogtown Community Reporter for the 2019 Frogtown Walking Tour. This project was made possible by a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council. The Frogtown Walking Tour is aired on WFNU Frogtown Community Radio at 94.1 FM in St. Paul and can be heard at frogtowntunedin.org. My name is Tyler McDaniel. Thank you, Tyler. And what are you doing here today at Western Park? So I have developed a sort of this visual representation of the multiple histories that exist at Western Sculpture, Western Sculpture Park, excuse me, and uh, more broadly in the neighborhood. So all the histories are represented with strings, and then they sort of weave together in and out of one another. And it's supposed to kind of represent the way that our histories overlap and work together and um, all sort of intersect. So there, there's also a visual accompaniment. Um, we have a series of maps that kind of lay out the history of the area from uh, from when it was native land, uh, pre-colonizing, mm-hmm. and then into the present with the, the park as is. So we, we start at the top uh, with the acknowledgement that this was, is, and will always be Dakota land. And we also have a marker on there to symbolize uh, the U.S.-Dakota War in 1862, which initially led to the expulsion of the Dakota people from their homeland. Um, and was it? Sorry, can I interrupt you Absolutely. to clarify? This yellow line of yarn that you have tacked up to the board here, the length of it represents the amount of time the Dakota people were on this land? Yes, and, uh, and there are two arrows at the end of that to represent, you know, time beyond the scope of the board. To, to reinforce the, the idea that this has always been Dakota land. And yeah, so there's that history. And um, then right below that, we have two marks with a red string that symbolize the history of the ox cart traders in the area. So there was um, a trade road that ran fairly close to the park. And this area was sort of like a campground or a resting spot uh, where the where the traders on their carts would stop off and so the ox cart traders ran up to Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada and they uh, they would often go in um, these like huge caravans or a uh, hundred or more ox carts and around 1850 because of that they established St. Paul as the second biggest trade port in the United States and so around what were, sorry, what were some of the things that uh, was traded? There's a lot of like trapping um so you know like furs pelts um game i'm sure that they like cured meat probably and uh yeah so there was that and then around 1870 with the industrial revolution that sort of petered out as uh as trains and steamboats sort of made trade a little more efficient or much more efficient Um, and then below that we have a line that marks the the establishment of the Rondo community here. So in 1856, the land was bought by Joseph Rondo, who was from Canada himself. Um, And he bought, subdivided all the land into what would eventually become the Rondo community. And, you know, that was, uh, uh, as I'm sure you know, the African-American epicenter of St. Paul, uh, tons of residents, 
the black business district and um, it was pretty much the heart of African-American culture and community here. So as the story goes, the uh, St. Paul city government wanting to establish the freeway system mowed through the black community in the 50s and 60s and displaced hundreds of families and caused a huge scar and ripple within that community. Um, but there have also been, you know, really beautiful efforts to remember and commemorate that culture. Uh, you know, all the great work that Hallie Q. Brown Community Center are doing, the Rondo Commemorative Plaza, the efforts of Reconnect Rondo to cap the interstate to rejoin the neighborhood. Uh, so a lot of really great things happening to sort of remember that and try to try to make that right to what degree it can be made right. And then below that we have the park itself, Western Sculpture Park. And so this area was mostly residential and then in the 50s, 60s, sort of around the same time as the interstate project was going on, this became an urban renewal project and was the Western redevelopment area or addition. And you can see that represented on the maps, the aerial maps we have here, where you can see the neighborhood as residential, and then you can see where they start to clear out the homes, and the land becomes a little more empty, and then we have the blueprints for the addition, and then some overheads as the park sort of begins to take shape. Take shape. So eventually, once the park, after the park was established as Western Park in the 60s, it eventually sort of fell into disrepair, lots of litter, there was gang activity, and uh, the community had an effort in the 90s to kind of reclaim the park as a space for themselves. And they wanted it to be a safe place where their families could come and where their kids could play and they didn't have to worry, it was clean. Um, so they sort of started brainstorming ideas and they wanted to make an art park. So they came to Public Art St. Paul and they brainstormed this idea for a sculpture park. And then the two of them together went to the city of St. Paul and through various uh, methods of support established Western Sculpture Park here in the late 90s. And it's been managed by Public Art St. Paul since then. So we do uh, workshops with the kids every Tuesday in the summer here, the kids that live directly around the park. And we host community events and um, have little you know, garden plots and things like that. So then below that we have an arrow that represents the influx of East Asian immigrants uh, with the marker indicating the arrival of Hmong refugees as a result of the secret war in Laos. Below that we have a marker for um, African immigrants, particularly Somali population, uh, who came beginning in the 80s but a larger influx beginning in the 90s as a result of the Somali civil war and some drought that was happening at that time. and. The final line that we have is uh, to represent Latin Central American immigrants who came here. Um, the first Latin American person here was Luis Garzon in 1886. He was a touring musician who came through here and he fell ill and he stayed here and then he fell in love so he stayed here even longer. Um, and he was the first but then in the 80s and then into the 90s there was a larger influx due to um, some socioeconomic issues as well as uh, environmental issues. There was an earthquake in Honduras, drought, uh, some hurricanes that displaced a lot of people. So there was a big spike in Latin American immigrant populations here. And it's around 60 or 70 percent of those final three Asian immigrants, African immigrants, and Latin American immigrants that make up the immediate community surrounding the park. So they're a huge component of the history and the community that this place is. 
and yeah, so I have a visual representation of all that. Fantastic. Now, do you are you um, a history major? How do you know all these things? Um, I yeah, I am a graduate student at the U. I okay. study heritage studies and public history, so sort of this hybrid of historic preservation and public history, and um, they. T- teach us a lot about issues of community reclamation and acknowledgement. So we talk a lot about uh, the fact that this is Dakota land. And I learned about some of the other stuff through, you know, various avenues, the ox cart traders through this organization itself. Um, I mean, the story of Rondo is, you know, I feel like should be taught to everyone. And it was taught to me when I first came to Minnesota. Um, And then the rest of it was just sort of like, research that I had done online and, and at the Minnesota History Center. Do you know about the sculptures themselves here? Um, are they all by different artists? Uh, and you said it was the, the 90s when the sculptures came in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they are all by different artists. Um, and yeah, they sort of run the gamut of uh, they're mostly local to Minnesota. There are a few local to the Twin Cities. Um, one of them Walking Warrior, uh, which is a large structure, uh, it's like black steel, um, one side is a man, one side is a woman, was actually done by an artist from Old Rondo, Melvin Smith, um, and that's supposed to represent sort of the, the civil rights struggle and marching on and like the, the issues that his family faced that when he had interviewed them sort of in the lead up to making that sculpture and he was inspired by the, the history and activism in his own family. Um, other than that, yeah, most of them are local. Uh, the centerpiece of the park is uh, this big steel piece with a piece part at the top that rotates, um, which is called Grace Atois, and that is by Marc de Suvero, who's, um, you know, just a phenomenal sculpture artist and one of the, I guess, sort of like preeminent sculpture artists in North America, uh, and he's received tons of awards. Um, he's very notable. Western Sculpture Park is located at 387 Marion Street in St. Paul. The Frogtown Walking Tour is made possible by a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council. Music for these episodes are produced and provided by Dialect Music. Follow him on Instagram at D-I-A-L-E-K Music. Production of these episodes are by Sounds Powerful Productions. To see photos, hear more stories, and learn more about St. Paul's Frogtown Walking Tour, visit frogtowntunedin.org.